Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Tribune Audio Network. You don't know how it's going to work, right? There, there is a lot of, you know, hold your breath, keep your fingers crossed. But I remember there was a bunch of us sitting here around 11 o'clock the night before the killer's show. And someone said, check it out. We'll never see the arena like this again. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Celebrating one sensational year. Since opening in August 2018, Pfizer Forum has become the entertainment hub for downtown Milwaukee, and the man running the show is General Manager Raj Saha. He's opened arenas all around the world and has stories for days. With demolition of the Bradley Center in the background, we sat down in a glass conference room inside Pfizer Forum to discuss how they're trying to change the way entertainment is viewed and consumed in Milwaukee. And who's more in awe when Justin Timberlake and Giannis Antetokounmpo share a room? Plus, we'll have the Fox six-pack of questions getting to know investigator Brian Polson. But first, the spotlight is on Pfizer Forum and Raj Saha. Hanging out in the brand new Fiserv Forum with uh, the remnants of the Bradley Center behind us for our setting. We are joined by the GM of Fiserv Forum, Raj Saha. Thank you very much for uh, coming on with us. Glad to be here. It's it's the one-year-old yes, Fiserv Forum. Yes, indeed. So still brand new, but first birthday. This uh, podcast should drop on the actual anniversary of you guys opening. It's been uh, such an exciting year. I guess I'll start with just that. Has there been, this might be the hardest question to ask you, but one moment that you'll particularly remember from that first year, one thing that, that has really stuck out from all the things that you guys have done can i have two sure let's go for two so so i was telling this story the other day you open a new arena you don't know how it's going to work right there there is a lot of you know hold your breath keep your fingers crossed but i remember there was a bunch of us sitting here around 11 o'clock the night before the killer's show and someone said check it out we'll never see the arena like this again there was not one scratch on the floor our stage was perfectly clean. There was no confetti anywhere, and it, we actually still have the shot uh, that hangs up in our in our office. Uh, but it was really cool. And then obviously opening night. But I think I think the one that probably the moment that caused the most stress, but we also had the most fun with, was just that wacky week in October yeah. where we did. Metallica on a Tuesday, Foo Fighters on a Wednesday, the Eagles on a Thursday, Bucks home opener, first ever oh, game right. Can't inside the about building. Them. Yeah, you know, we we slid that in there uh, as well. Uh, that was on Friday. We had 21 pilots on Saturday. We were all dead exhausted by Sunday, and then we started all again on Monday because we had uh, we had um, a Bucks Bucks versus Knicks on uh, Monday uh-huh. as well, and then we were just off and running uh, at that point. But yeah, I mean, I still remember we. 
our we had 21 pilots fans showing up before Foo Fighters fans on Wednesday, and they camped out for three days, and we had a lot of fun with them because the street was closed down, judo yeah. was closed down, and we turned into a dance party the night before when you know uh, when we had to move them over to the GA entrance. So it was it was great. It was great. That kind of speaks to what you guys have been able to do here in downtown Milwaukee too. And I was going to get to this as well, but kind of changing the way that people view entertainment in Milwaukee because that type of thing was not going to happen at the Bradley Center. You weren't going to get that lineup in five days and you weren't going to have maybe that response as well. So what has that been like to try to start to change the the mentality, the way people view entertainment? In this yeah, city? well, you know, a few of us come from the background yeah. of a dark day is a day of lost revenue hmm. uh, in the building. So for us, it's maximizing the number of days uh, that we have in the building. We want to do 150 ticketed events. We want to use the building 200 days out of the year. Wow. Uh, you know, so that that delta, that difference of 50 is on private events. You know, we, we've got a lot of rooms here where we can do private events. But, you know, for us, you know, we saw we saw what the challenge was, but we also knew what the opportunity was. And there's a lot of the events, you know, I think that we can all honestly say at this point that would not have come to Milwaukee had the new yeah. building not been built. I, th- I think we can honestly say UFC would not have come here uh, without a new building. I think a lot of the bands that, you know, that we saw on leg one of their tour, um, you know, would not have come here to have Justin Timberlake that early. Sure. You know, but th- this, th- this was a culmination of a lot of things. This was working very closely with the design and project team to make sure that the building could be as multi-use as possible. And, you know, designing our rooms backstage, designing our corridors backstage, our loading dock, our steel structure. And then, you know, in 2016, we were hitting it hard with the agencies and the promoters and the uh, managers to really say, hey, we're opening in 2018. We want you to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the you know, obviously the music industry has responded well, but the market's really responded well. You know, we're, we're basically at 100% capacity every show that wow. we've had in here uh, this year. So it shows that there is a lot of demand uh you know for music in the you know in this market uh, and, you know, it, it's a very intimate building as well, too, which yeah. I think not just the acts love, but I think fans coming here love, plus the, the amenities with our, you know, concessions and our food and beverage and our hospitality, too. Yeah, what have been some of the reviews from the performance side of things, whether it's the stars themselves, whether it's kind of the band managers, the tour directors yeah. that they've really liked and kind of grasped onto? So the one thing that we hear from everybody, whether it's the tour manager, the sound engineer, the production manager, and probably, you know, half the time the artists, you know, themselves is how great the sound quality is yeah. uh, in, in the building. You know, Justin Timberlake uh, decided to invite, uh, you know, a bunch of our players down to uh, his dressing room after the show. And, you know, so Giannis was there. Chris Middleton was there. Pat, uh, Pat Connington, I remember, was there. A lot of our coaches. And, you know, he was basically getting these guys amped up and hyped up on how great the sound was because he also, you know, he's a sound, he was a, he's a self-described sound snob, yeah. he told everyone that night. Um, and one of his big things that he told the team is like, this is great for you because it's going to be really loud in this building when, hmm. you know, when the team gets going in here. And so yeah. it was exciting for the guys to hear that, uh, as well. But yeah, a, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, the artists have told us how great the sound is and how comfortable it is. You know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, we had, um, you know, Sean Mendez's camp, Nas's camp told us like, wow, we wish there was a venue we could travel with just because of the layout of the build, building and the hospitality and the sound. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, you're one of the few people who gets to experience a meeting like that where the 
NBA MVP gets to hang out with JT backstage. Yeah. What are the players like when they're around some of the, the biggest music acts, maybe guys that they are kind of, you know, fanboys for? I, I think both are in awe of each other. Yeah. I think, that, you know, the artist is in awe of our players and the, the players are in awe of the artist uh, as well, too. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I know some of the artists that have invited the players back have been nervous to meet the players as well, too, especially <laughs> especially an MVP. Sure. You know, and even before he was MVP, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of them will ask, like, hey, you know, are the players, uh, you know, in town tonight? You know, we'd love for them to come to the show. You know, the unfortunate way the calendar works is, you know, the dates are available because the team's generally sure, on yeah. the road. So I think, you know, our, our players have been able to come to about a half a dozen con- uh, concerts, uh, a bunch of more Travis Scott uh, mm-hmm. as well, too. And I think, you know, I th- you know, with our with our chant show, I think a lot of uh, a lot of the players when the schedule came out kind of yeah. went to look to see if they were in town uh, <laughs> that night or not. So it's, you know, it's you know, it's it's fun. Every night is fun in the building. Yeah. One of the things I was going to ask you about the arena too uh there's a lot of areas that people will very rarely get to see that really lead to landing those tours and getting those names to come in what is it from a design standpoint that you guys kind of built into this place ahead of time that has allowed those tours to come through yeah you know the the six enclosed loading docks and and again this was a re-education process that we had to do with a lot of people in the entertainment industry for the last few years across the street at the bradley center uh we're we're moving a bunch of cranes and uh and, and smoothing out the land right now um, but the last few years of the Bradley Center, there was one loading dock that was exposed to the elements outside. Yeah. Um, you know, and part of that was the construction of this building. You know, it's, you know, where we're sitting in this arena right now in our conference room is where the old loading dock of the Bradley Center was, um, you know, for years. You know, so to have six enclosed loading docks, you know, has been great because what that does for the artist and the production, it allows them to build the stage and their set quicker. It also allows them to get out of the building quicker as well, too. Uh, you know, so that's great because they are coming, you know, sometimes six or seven hour drive away from St. Louis or Kansas City uh, to get here. Um, you know, they're coming from Grand Rapids. Uh, you know, you have to go around the lake to get here. It's not as easy as it looks, uh, you know, <laughs> when you're just, uh, you know, mapping it out from a, from a flight perspective. Um, you know, so that's great. The fact that, you know, the new NBA regulations had us build a player parking garage inside hmm. has helped on the show side. And we've had a lead singer comment uh, in the past that normally he's he wakes up at seven or eight in the morning because the you know, the tour bus pulls in right next to, you know, one of the, you know, staging trucks and then you hear the banging back right. and forth and, Good luck you know, this is in a completely <laughs> different part of the building. So the artists get to sleep in, they get to have their own area uh, as well, too. Um, you know, one of the things and, you know, and having done this, and I've been in about 12 different buildings in my career is I'm the last person to give up storage space. <laughs> uh, but we, we ate away some storage space and we built a, a, what we call a game, you know, a game room or a touring, touring production room. So we've got golden tea in there. Uh, we've got uh, Super Mario Kart in there, Miss Pac-Man. Uh, Big Buck Hunter, which goes against our brand a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah you know, we're going to add some ping pong in there, some billiards. Uh, you know, we're actually going to, you know, uh, redo parts of the room. But the coolest thing, and we've heard this from heard this from a lot of the agents you know, that deal with their, their acts and the promoters are make it an easy day and make sure there's hot coffee in the minute, you know, everyone's mm. getting off the, you know, the buses and the trucks at seven in the morning. So we've partnered with Colectivo. So we have a, we actually have a Colectivo lounge backstage uh, as well too, which is open from 6 in the morning till 11.30 at night because, you know, this is an over-caffeinated business sometimes, uh, myself included. Uh, But it's great because we have a, you know, we have a full-time barista here. 
So it's not just, you know, the regular, yeah. you know, hot coffee. We're doing Americanos. We're doing flat whites. We're doing cappuccinos. We've got a nitro machine. You know, sometimes, you know, my staff has to pull me away from there, uh, you know, uh, three in the afternoon so I don't have to crash. Uh, later you might on, need to but, talk to our uh, station managers about oh, that. Absolutely. Well, shop. you know, there's there's a few buildings that have called us, and you know, because the tour has gone uh, gone right to that building. They said, oh, come on, you're killing us. Now they all want now, – now they want a coffee lounge in our uh, backstage. I said, sorry, you know. <laughs> but yeah, we, we need to make it as hospitable as we can for everybody. When the arena opened, it was it was state of the art. It was one of the nicest ones you could find anywhere in the country or world. How much went into the planning to keep that at that level? To to try to see into the future what entertainment groups are going to want, you know, five years, ten years down the road, where this is still a yeah. Viable option. And, and listen, the, the the truth is, no one no one really knows, sure. you know, what's going to happen in five ten years. You know, is hol- are holograms going to be a big part of arena touring? I think they will. You know, so we we got in very early. We hired a chief technology officer very early and very early in the uh, process, not just for this building, but for the entire organization. But his focus when he came in was to look at the building. We went to we we went to every building that existed in North America, and we toured a bunch of buildings in Europe uh, as well too. And you know, we we learned a lot of lessons even from uh, Arsenal's uh, ground in in North London, the Emirates. You know, on on design and kind of what they're seeing. So we and and we asked we asked the people in the music industry, where do you see you know VR? Where do you see AR? You know, you know, where do you see uh, you know holograms going and kind of took a lot of that we we think we future-proofed as much as we can on the technology side you know we're ready for 5g you know when that fully gets you know un- unloaded out and you know hopefully we'll be you know fully ready to do like a massive esports uh, event here you know in the in the next coming years uh as well but a lot of it you know on the structure side you're only going to do so much you know but you know for us it's it's you know we're fine putting, you know, air walls in some areas to make rooms bigger. Um, but, you know, really on the connectivity part is where we really wanted to future-proof the building so we wouldn't have to, you know, redo our entire network two years after we opened. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm sure some of the listeners can tell from this, but if they're not familiar with their background, it is very much a global background, both professionally and just your interest in travel as well. Uh, I'll try to summarize a little bit. So, grew up in New York City, right? Grew up in New York, yeah. Road crew at Syracuse. Road at Syracuse, Got yeah. into the uh, arena visit that way and then you've worked everywhere from New York Chicago New Jersey and then all over Europe Istanbul London Paris I think in there Germany and then a lot of time in Brazil as well yeah. both with the London Olympics the World Cup in Brazil yeah I can see you uh smiling oh, already. it's been I, quite a journey the, for you the, to get the, to Milwaukee the, this is a great case of not knowing when not to raise your hand sometimes <laughs> uh no but it, it's it's been fun I think the part that you met, left out I'm not sure if you even know is uh I was born in Europe I was actually born in London I think I did know yeah that, yeah actually. so my yeah. parents were living over there cool. um you know when they met each other i was born in uh you know in south london as you can tell from my accent but yes comes through yeah yeah your I love mean, of tea yeah 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 um you know and anyone uh rowing's great i didn't know how cold it was in syracuse when i got there <laughs> and our first first race against cornell was in a six inch snowstorm on october 1st um you know the year that i got to campus so you know that that was a learning experience but you that's know, ice skating at that point yeah rowing, yeah right? i think you know because I, I was looking at another school that you know happened to be in the acc at the time and the first thing i did when i got back to my dorm room was open up the uh, the USA Today and check the weather in Washington D.C. and say, "Oh man, <laughs> it's seventy four degrees, no snow. What am I thinking?" So, um, you know, it, it it's it's been wonderful. I love traveling the world. I grew up in the travel industry. Both of my parents were involved in you know one with an airline, one with a travel agency, and then both eventually you know at travel agencies. You know, and so you know my passport it, you know stamps are full, but you know. The, 
a lot of learning lessons as well, things that we do. And we talk about this, you know, within, you know, our arena network all the time, you know, especially on the NBA side. There's things that we do in Milwaukee that can't be done in Los Angeles. There's things that are done in Los Angeles that we can't do here in Milwaukee. But, you know, we learn as I equate to everyone, everyone's going to run a marathon, right? You know, and, you know, the, the finish line is the opening of the building or the, you know, the event itself, but people are going to have different ways of running the marathon. You know, some will sprint, some will take their time, some will do both, uh, throughout this. So, you know, it's, it's very market driven. Uh, you know, there's things that, you know, that we saw in Germany, a few of us, and I, I think the Germans are really great, especially on the sustainability end. And something when I was in Berlin in 2008, we noticed it when we were opening up an arena there. Uh, they have a reusable cup concept, and it's actually called Cup Concept. And now our cup, who has been in this building a few times, they were here for Mumford and Sons most recently. I think they'll uh, they'll be back for another tour that we're working on for the fall. You know, so these Germans for years, they know how to compost. Uh, you know, in public areas, which is something that we we really want to push out. You know, here in the building, they know how to you know uh, do reusable cups where you take one cup, turn it back in, it gets washed you know off site, but you're getting a new cup, so there's no waste uh, that leaves the building as well. So a lot of things that you know I've learned over the years, and people in this industry have learned. You know, the the Brazilians on just you know our concession stands, the way they're designed are not that different than how business has traditionally been done in Brazil, where you do your ordering, you know, you collect your receipt, and then you're fulfilling fulfillment is further down, uh, you know, uh, you know, the line as well, too. And that actually speeds it up. But it's like things that, you know, I wouldn't have fully understood if I hadn't, you know, run sure. an arena in, uh, or a stadium in Brazil. So, sure. yeah, lo- love world travel, both on the professional end and the, and the personal yeah. end, too. It was just, as you know, it was just in Europe for two weeks, yeah. bumming around at some concerts and, uh, and, uh, and matches, too. We probably so. chat for about an hour about all our uh, favorite yeah, yeah, trips and destinations yeah, and things yeah. like that. Uh, specifically to Milwaukee, because Milwaukee obviously doesn't have the rep of an international yeah. destination like that. What have you learned to love about this city in a, in a few years? I, I love the genuine, the, uh, I'm terrible with English sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I love the, you know, how genuine people are, um, you know, how nice people are that, you know, listen, I, I grew up in the Northeast and, you know, usually the conversation within two or three questions of what do you do for a living, you know, type of thing. And, you know, here it's more like, oh, what are you into? You know, what, you know, you know, what music are, you know, do you like? I think people, I think. You know, here people genuinely want to see all projects succeed. You know, I think there's a lot of people here that really wanted Pfizer Forum and the Bucks to, to be successful. The same way we're looking at, you know, with the new Grand Avenue shops and the food court, we really want, you know, Omar, Shake and, and those guys to be really successful there. I think there's a lot of rooting interest that you get, you know, from within Milwaukee that I've never experienced. And I, this is, aside from four years at Syracuse, this is the smallest city I've ever been right. in. You know, it's the first city I've lived in that has less than two million people, alone less than a million people um you know so i think you know that that's that's one thing is you know that that we've noticed and there's a bunch of northeasterners here that are you know involved at you know the box because a few of us worked at the knicks and the garden in the late 90s early 2000s with each other and that's one thing we always say is just how nice it is to live out here you know that we're not on a we're not in a sweat box of a subway system (laughs) that you know we're not riding an elevator two in the morning to do laundry in our building because you know there's you know not everybody's awake at yeah. two in the morning like they are in other cities. Um, it's it, the ease of getting around. And, and I think, listen, it's slowly growing, you know, with the Latin population growing at the rate it has done over the last two decades yeah. and continues to grow. And obviously with, you know, Foxconn coming in, you know, there'll be more international presence. 
there are Fortune 500s here. So I've, you know, listen, there's actually, there's a decent number of Brazilians, you know, in, in town as well that I've met, you know, that, you know, are either part of a Brazilian group or they're students or, you know, just happen to be, you know, living here. And one thing that amazed me when Nomad Nacional was doing yeah. their uh, World Cup bar uh, last year was like, wow, I'm like, all right, here are all my, here, here are all my fellow Brazilians, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm, uh, adopted, uh, adopted country to say. So, you know, I, I think it's, I think a lot of people don't necessarily equate you know Milwaukee with being an international city because yeah. there is no hub airport here it's not a true international you know destination I think that this is going to change tremendously in the next 12 months with the DNC but there are there is representation from most countries yeah. you know that you see uh, you know that you meet here and it's just you know ta- talking and yeah. you know asking questions I imagine it's a little bit of a two-way street I mean there's so many opportunities both with what you guys have done downtown here and with the Bucks in general with the DNC coming here like you say to really put Milwaukee on the map but you don't want to lose what makes it so great, what makes the people here so wonderful too. So how I saw you quoted uh, saying one thing about the arena and, and just kind of your guys' approach. Was it uh, think globally, act locally? That's, Is that that's, it? That's exactly or paraphrasing. It. Yeah. So yeah. how do you balance kind of all that Milwaukee could be in some of the, sort of the growth and development with already what makes it so different. So yeah, great. well, I, listen, I think Austin was completely different, yeah. you know, uh, 15 years ago. Nashville, I haven't been there in, in 18 years, but, you know, what Nashville is now, you know, versus when I went there as a, you know, just as a visit in 2001, 2002, you know, and talking to people and you still talk, I talk to a lot of people from Nashville because a lot of the country music agents, sure. you know, are based down there and they're, they're, you know, they're from Tennessee and they just love the fact that their city has exploded and become on, on the map, I think, yeah, I, I think there is enough. There, there's enough here in Milwaukee that allows it to always be a local city versus just like a mishmash of of everything, yeah. you know, and, and getting too big. I think, you know, listen, I think it's, you know, as as it was explained to us when we went through our food and beverage. Um, you know, process, and we had some, you know, some people locally tell us that this is where chains go to die, right? <laughs> you know, and, and people want to eat locally. They want, they'd rather go to a Hollander, Bavaria, yeah. you know, than than you know than a chain restaurant, and they they definitely want to go to something, you know, that you know, like a rare or a carnivore as opposed to you know a Smith and Walensky's right. or whatever it is. And I think that'll always, long, you know, that'll always you know, be here as long as people are passionate about, you know, caring for, you know, neighbors and wanting to see other people yeah. from Milwaukee succeed. How about since you, since you have good taste and good international flavor, where are your, uh, some of your favorite spots? Uh, that you it, like it, it's funny. That you so, um, Peter Fagan wanted, uh, took me out for my birthday last year and he said, where do you want to go? And I said, Conejitos, uh, <laughs> which is one of my favorite places. Cause it's just, it's authentic. Yeah. I love it there. Trey Rivali, I think what, uh, what Heather Terhune has done down there, uh, you know, go to carnivore. I'm generally there, you know, a few times a year, uh, as well. Uh, St. Paul fish company, I think does, oh, does a great fantastic. job, especially on summer Fridays. Now I'll be exposed to the office, but I'm generally out of, out of here at, you know, 11 or 12 and there for lunch and hanging for a couple hours. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, I think the, the Kimpton in general does a great job you know with with their restaurants i think you know um i've i've probably eaten too much at the mecca so i need to you know stay off of that <laughs> but support the business yeah, right? <laughs> yeah it, it, exactly as well too i need to go to glass and griddle it's yeah. been on my list for a while especially yeah. since they're right up the hill very nice um anything that you would have changed about about the planning process about something in the arena that you guys maybe have learned in the last year ah shoot if we could add that or things have been pretty smooth no i think i think there's a lot of things like you know um where when people come back for season two they're going to see some changes especially in the upper concourse uh as well uh the cup holders i think you know we uh, we wish there was more depth in the cups cup holders and we started fixing them uh during the season but our our the list here is definitely not even close to the you know the quality 
quantity of items I've had on lists in yeah. other buildings of changing it again. And this was, and this this goes to the fact that you know we had a design team that listened. Um, and really, you know, challenged us as much as we challenged them. And, you know, Epstein, you and Architects, who was our local yeah. architect partner on this, you know, were great to deal with and continuously be great to deal with. Mortensen and, and Icon did a tremendous job on uh, on the project team because one of the things that was different here than most projects is we walked the building every day. Like from the time of the first shovel went in the ground to the time that we opened, anywhere from four to ten of us were in this building at any you know on any certain day measuring things looking at things you know because it was a really good timeline on construction we were able to test things in the field so we were able to build out a suite inside and actually kind of take a look at sight lines you know and and some of the things where we hung our led ribbon board our 360 degree uh board that sits over the seats you know was purely based on us sitting in seats in the suites to make sure that we had, you know, good view. And actually we changed, we probably, you know, no one will ever know this until now, but we actually raised it, you know, three and a half inches to make sure that everybody had a view. And a lot of things that you don't get the opportunity to do, but because this project was, you know, was on time and was humming in the way that the design was working, um, you know, it was really good for us. So there there hasn't been a lot of things that we need to change. There's things that we're going to need to grow and build out as time goes on uh, as well, depending on how the industry changes and how, you know, the NBA and the consumption of live, uh, you know, uh, sporting events and entertainment yeah. changes, but we're ready for that. All right, I'm just going to throw a lot of random questions at you because I know you got yeah. stories. Uh, from the last year, favorite favorite moment of a concert, favorite uh, experience that you've gotten to have in this building and other people have as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I think the one that was that was underrated, uh, you know, for all of us was, was 21 Pilots. Um, that was something where we taught in you know, every building kind of talks to each other. So I think we, we called Nashville and we called Philadelphia. But the one thing that was a surprise was how many fans showed up, not bef- like an hour before doors, but three days before doors on that. Um, and the one thing that we learned for that, and it was the first week of our new marketing director. And, and she was she was great about it because she made she communicated everything through Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat of you know when we were going to move lines. But it, it was amazing because you know it's a it was a younger audience and sure. it was really the first young audience that we had in the building. And I think it was our tenth or eleventh concert at that time. But the way they self policed each other, so no one was cutting in line. <laughs> you know, so it was great. So you know that 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 was really surprising and, and a fun and memorable event yeah. too because I think it was one of the best shows that we've actually had in the building. They'll call you out and troll you online. Yeah, exactly. If you try to we cut, were afraid right? of that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Um, who, because uh, I know you're not going to dish dirt here, so yeah. we'll stay positive. Who of, of the artists that, that have come in here is like, man, that guy or girl is so down to earth, so cool to, to just be around, normal person? Uh, a few of them. Timberlake. Yeah. Timberlake, very down to earth. He's a huge basketball fan, too. Yeah, he's right? a, well, he, he's, uh, he's a part owner in the Memphis right. Grizzlies, so we had to be careful of like what we showed <laughs> him. Way and, too many secrets. And, yeah, and, you know, and making sure that he wasn't <laughs> talking to our players of, you know, when does your contract end <laughs> yeah. and what are you thinking of for free agency? Uh, but a lot of our, you know, so because he's so involved, Involved in, in basketball and the Memphis Grizzlies, he like a lot of our guys knew all you know the people that he was referencing in his stories uh, as well. You know, Sean Mendez completely down to earth uh, as well too. Really, really good, really personable. But you know what 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 we've heard too is hey, it's great to come into an venue where you know the security person that's guarding the dressing room door or guarding the hallway actually looks you in the eye and says, "Welcome to Milwaukee. Thanks for coming to Milwaukee." Uh, and we've heard that it's like wow, it's very unusual. Normally there's just 
just a stone fo- stone face security person, yeah. you know, you know, standing there looking at your pass, and you know, and uh, and our staff has been very engaging as well too, which I think relaxes a lot of the people that are you know yeah. coming in to produce the show that day. But specifically, Timberlake uh, and, and Mendez were great and down to earth, and then Ron, Ronnie Venucci and um, <clears throat> and the Killers guys were you know Brandon uh, were great uh, were great as well too, and you know a, a great story which you know very few people know is you know in this hangout room you know where we have the collectivo and the lounge and everything you know peter fagan wanted to know you know what the uh you know what the experience of backstage was so i said all right let's go grab a coffee talking to uh i'm talking to someone as oh, how's the sound you know how's the sound in the building oh, everything's great when you know there, there's no there's you know it's just seats every every room sounds the same when it's empty and then and i and he left i said oh, i was pretty cool and I said, I said, Peter, I didn't, you know, would you think that, you know, someone from the Killers would uh, would, would be hanging out, in, you know, in the Collectivo Lounge? And he said, where? I said, oh, we just talked to Ronnie Venucci for the last five minutes, you know, the you know, the co-founder of the Killers and the drummers. So, you know, so, uh, you know, I think he was he was a little, uh, you know, shocked that, it, you know, it's, just, it's very simple, yeah. you know, on, on days of shows when everyone's relaxed. How about I take this uh, internationally, since you have such a, a great background, who is the, the single greatest performer that you've seen, band or, or individual, just for wow? Factor well, like on my wish list, and uh, and I'll make sure that uh, that uh, the agent who's a friend of mine is listening to this, Florence and the Machine. Okay. If you've ever, ha- if you ever have a chance to go to a Florence and the Machine show, her energy is unbelievable. Unfortunately for me, I've seen her twice uh, in the last you know three months uh, in Miami and then in in London. But you know, we'd love to get Florence here. But like her energy and her crowd interaction and how much her fans care about her show are, are unbelievable. You know, when I was living in London, um, there's a band that probably not a lot of people in the U.S. are familiar with called Take That. It was Robbie Robbie Williams' original band. But just to see, you know, how they interacted in their performance, they sold out seven nights of Wembley Stadium, you know. So, you know, think of, you know, the scene of Bohemian Rhapsody on steroids because they were doing that every night for a week. Um, you know, his, uh, you know, has been great, you know, would have loved to have obviously seen or, you know, worked a queen show with Freddie in, yeah. you know, in my career, but you know, Florence and the machine is a great, great, yeah. great act. Since you've both been to and, and helped out with so many different international sporting events, is there one that somebody shouldn't miss? If you add it on your bucket list, what is one that absolutely lives up to the, to the hype? Uh, I, I think, uh, well, as a fan going to uh, any final four is great. Yeah. You know, just the experience, you know, and, yeah, I was fortunate enough. I've been to four or five Final Fours as a fan. I was fortunate enough to be in the building when um, uh, when Villanova, the kid from Villanova, hit that shot to win it at the buzzer, uh, which was great. I'm a Syracuse guy, so we got knocked out in the semifinals uh, two days earlier. So, yeah, yeah. But you know, we, you know, you know, former Big East, you know, team. Sure. We were all rooting for Villanova, and I told I tell Dante that all the time. Uh, whenever I uh, whenever I see him, I said the fi- Final Four is great because there's sixty thousand tickets you know that you know yeah. are available and most of the times you can get your hands on them but it's just you, every school's fans are represented it's really cool and you know you're in a bar and christian leitner walks in and you know it's just like things that are you know a little different than the normal sporting event i think uh, a world cup match is great um you know any olympics event uh, is, is great i was fortunate enough to actually be in the stadium when Argent- or when uh, when Germany beat Argentina very late 
uh, in extra time, which, you know, after the 7-1 defeat, the Brazilians all started rooting for the Germans because they couldn't have Argentina win in Rio. <laughs> you know, so that that was fun. And a great story about that is all the sports uh, apparel stores in, uh, in Rio sold out of Germany jerseys the day before the match <laughs> because everyone ditched their Brazil jerseys and wore Germany yeah. jerseys just so, you know, it felt like a home match, uh, you know, <laughs> against great. against Argentina. Um, you know, I, 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 major sporting events are, are, are great. I've never I've never been to a Super Bowl. A bunch of our staff actually um, has been invited to work by the NFL in the last few years to go spend time for a week in the city and, and run the Super Bowl, and they love it uh, as well too. But I think I think the passion. I think we're just watching the passion of an international sporting event. And you know, we were in. Uh, I, I went to a couple boxing matches at London 2012, and just to see you know the the Montenegrins going crazy for you know a boxer that you know just because he was wearing you know uh, uh, the Montenegrin flag um, you know so it's it, those, those international sporting events are, are unbelievable cool. how about a travel destination hopefully our, I don't think our listenership is wide enough yet that we're <laughs> yeah. gonna ruin a place but yeah. where's something that uh, you think people should really go see oh uh, listen I think you know uh, Brazil Brazil's my favorite and I still go back there you know every year on vacation um, the Northeast in particular if you were to go to Salvador or uh, you know anywhere in Bahia or to go to Trancoso or Natal or Recife uh, is great because it's a part of Brazil that you know tourists generally don't get to, and it's just so natural beauty out there. So I'm always I'm always partial to you know to, to anywhere in Brazil, you know Rio, São Paulo, Florianópolis, uh, Argentina is great. I spent some time you know when I was living in Brazil and spending time taking a quick hour and a half flight to Buenos Aires, you know on weekends. Um, which is fun. Uh, you know, Portugal, which yeah. uh, you and I have talked about, is, yeah. is a beautiful country and starting to see a lot more tourists than it did five years ago. Um, I personally, I still want to go to Southeast Asia. I haven't spent any time there, really, so Me I want to go there. Very nice. Uh, how about one story where you're in a room and there's this person here, or that person here, and you're just kind of like, where am I? How did I end up here in, in my career? Yeah, uh, well, there's been a few of those, um, you know, especially... Well, I had, a, I had a meeting with the prime minister of Turkey uh, one time, oh. but it was, <laughs> yeah, I think he crashed the meeting to, trying to figure out what was going on with the construction project. Um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, one, one of the cool ones, uh, you know, that, that, that I've had was I was fortunate enough, um, you know, a buddy of mine um, does a lot of work with Pelé. And so, you know, there was a, probably a group of 10 of us um, that, you know, had dinner in Sao Paulo, you know, with Pelé. And the other time was, you know, I was fortunate enough through a Swedish promoter when, uh, you know, when I was spending time in Stockholm uh, working on a stadium there where the Swedish promoter, who's been very close with Bruce Springsteen, personally over the years invited us to dinner with Bruce so and Clarence was still alive at the time so that was that was really cool I just wow. kept my mouth shut I did not say a word I was, I was just you know I'm like you know I'm just gonna you know taking it all in so yeah yeah and you know and in this industry and you know because a lot of times I was a quote gringo in a lot of these countries you know I was I was given opportunities that a lot of people didn't have so I'm always thankful for that that's some amazing stories uh, we could probably do this for a couple more hours oh, absolutely Let's haven't do gotten it. into yeah. <laughs> many things but I'll try to wrap this up since you've been kind with your time uh in the in the next year ahead we're, we're celebrating the one year mark for this arena what do you think will be a mark uh, or a way to judge that you guys really have established yourselves here in milwaukee this thing is really going beyond just the honeymoon phase in that yeah yeah year. so i think it's you know when you look at the the number of shows and the same artist shows that chicago gets 
and Minneapolis St. Paul gets, right? So Chicago, you've got three or four arenas, you know, that you can play in. Minneapolis, you've got two with a new building called uh, the Armory, which has 7,000 seats. So as long as we're consistent to what Chicago gets and Minneapolis gets, it shows that, hey, Milwaukee's here. Yeah. It's a great place to play, you know, not just in the Midwest. You know, I'll be honest, you know, there, there's, you know, because of – our wild success in year one, we have actually had a band manager call us and is actually routing his act's entire tour through a date that he can get here in Milwaukee. Wow. Um, you know, and, and the band the band will obviously sell out the minute it goes on sell sale here. But you know that that's what we're looking forward to. And then you know that that's how we're going to judge successes. We need to you know we want to see more tickets sold for more concerts. We want to see you know it's going to be hard to top on the Buck side because we were basically sold out you know the entire season. You know on the Buck side we want to be in the NBA final. Finals. Sure. That'll be a good mark for us. And then, you know, the quick transition that we're going to have because we're still planning on playing in the NBA finals and then three weeks later hosting the Democratic National Convention. So and then, you know, turning that around and going straight back into our open calendar again. So, you know, there's going to be we're resting up this month, you know, knowing what the next 12 months are going to be like. So we'll check in with you in like 10 years when you've gotten <laughs> yeah, a full night's exactly. sleep for the yeah, first maybe time. I'll have all my hair back by then. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Raj, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Now it's time for the Fox Six Pack of Questions, a chance for us to get to know the uh, faces and voices that you hear and see on Fox Six each and every night, or occasionally in this case, because uh, our next guest, Brian Polson, takes a little bit longer to put together some of the incredible pieces that the investigative unit does. Brian, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to be here. These uh, next questions will be nothing about the investigative unit for the most part. You've been around more than 15 years here, just celebrated your anniversary, in fact, here at Fox Six. If you can remember back all that way to the uh, mid 2000s, I'll mess with you a little bit. If you can remember (laughs) all the way back then, in my day, what drew you to Milwaukee initially? Besides the job, what was it about the area and and this station that you thought this would be a good place to move and live? Well, the story really starts with at the time, uh, and I I am since remarried, but at the time I was married to someone who was a Wisconsin native. I'm from St. Louis, originally was living in Des Moines, Iowa for a couple of years, and then in Kansas City. And uh, and I I wanted to get into purely investigative reporting. I was doing in-depth feature and some investigative reporting in Kansas City. So the job was really the thing that drew me here because there was an investigative reporter opening at what I had heard was this great station, WITI. And it was in Wisconsin. And my, my wife at the time had grown up in the New Lisbon area, Mauston area of Wisconsin. So it was sort of a homecoming for her. And when we first came to visit and I interviewed at the station, I'd never been to Milwaukee. And, you know, what I knew of Milwaukee was what I watched growing up of Happy Days and the Fonz and Laverne and Shirley. And, and, I, and I got here and, you know, you, we hear it over and over again, Milwaukee's this hidden gem, right? And it was eye-opening to me, like, wow, this is a cool place. It didn't hurt that I was coming here as Summerfest was approaching and people were talking about all the festivals and things. And having grown up in St. Louis, I was familiar with Friday fish fries. Yeah. And I got to have my first Friday fish fry here, and it, it felt like home. Very nice. And maybe a different story if you'd interviewed in January than you're saying versus around but the Yeah, the well, yeah, I think that, that's a big part of the pitch. <laughs> if you, I think if you're trying to hire people here, you bring them in in the spring yeah, and summer. That's, that's Don't bring them in play. in January. Uh, outside of all the work that you do here at the station and your home life as well, where are we most likely to find you uh, out and about around the Milwaukee area? Well, I, I think, you know, I have four kids, including two stepchildren, and uh, three of 
of them are teenagers. So uh, oftentimes you're likely to find me at home on the riding mower trying to get the mowing done or folding laundry. But when we're out and about doing fun things, uh, my kids and I, you know, we, we love to go to well, you know, we don't do as many of the parks. They're getting older. We don't do a lot of the parks anymore. But, um, you know, you might see us at the movies. You might see us, uh, you know, checking out a restaurant downtown or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, I do now ride a motorcycle. And then just this past weekend, was out on a, a poker one, run with a friend going through uh, kind of up through the, the Northwoods area. And so I enjoy doing that at times. Um, and then I play soccer year round. So cool. on a Friday night in the summer, you might find me out at Eline Soccer Park. Um, tossing a beer or two back with friends after a 90-minute game of trying to prove that I can still run. Still got it. And uh, Well, I don't know if I still have it, but I'm still going to keep trying as long right. as my legs <laughs> let me do it. And in the winter, we play uh, indoor cool. uh, on Monday nights, so um, cool. try to stay active. Yeah, absolutely. I have to do it. Uh, you mentioned maybe the restaurant scene, so what was the last, what and where, I should say, was the last great meal that you had around the area? Well, you know, just this past Friday night, and sometimes I talk about fish fries. I love fish fries, and what I love about Wisconsin fish fries are you can go to a really big, well-known, you know, four or five-star restaurant. But when it comes to fish fries, you can find them at these hole-in-the-wall places you might never think of, you might never hear about going to. And it just so happens that uh, I, I spent 14 years living in Port Washington and recently moved to Mequon. And not far down the road from us on Freistat Road is, is an old place called, uh, oh boy, the name's going to escape me, the Landmark Inn. Nice. Landmark's been there 120-something years. It used to be, I think, a general store, maybe a post office, and it's just in this this tiny little spot, and it is one of the most popular fish fries in the area, and we got there at 6.30 this past Friday, and we stood around waiting for a table because it's popular, and the food's really good. Yeah. Um, it's one of those places that you would drive past and not maybe think anything of it, but then you get inside. It's got that sort of old Wisconsin charm. Uh, it, it, you know, feels like a corner tavern in some ways, or maybe a supper club. Uh, the food was fantastic. Do you go cod perch? What's your, what's your go It depends. I think this time it was a breaded perch, Ooh, which okay. was fantastic. Um, a lot of times I'm just simple and I'll go for the cod. Yeah. You know what you, what you don't, I don't know if you find as many of the all you can eats anymore, but <laughs> if you just get just an all you can eat deep fried cod and say, forget it, I'll work out later. <laughs> that sometimes you'll see me on Sunday after right, I spend yeah. all Saturday <laughs> exactly. recovering, right? Uh, who plays Mr. Brian Polson in the movie about your life that we're oh, definitely going to greenlit? Oh my, I don't know. Boy, is, th- is this a question? It is a people, question, do yeah. Do people usually come up with a quick answer they on this? They usually have decent ones. I'm not going to lie. Well, you know what's funny about this? Um, my stepson, who is now 18 and about to go off to college, uh, loved watching Stranger Things, and I do too. And uh, and I still kind of laugh about this because there's a part of me that went, oh, really? But then I thought the reasoning was sweet. There was a uh, – I'm trying to think of his name. Is it Sean Astin? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rudy. We, you know, yeah, and, and Lord of Lord the Rings, of the Rings Sam, yeah. and, and, you know, great actor and uh, so many great roles. And in the second season, he plays Bob. And, and you know, Bob's kind of doofy and Bob's put on weight. And, of course, you know, over the years, I've put on a little bit of weight. So I, when he turned after one of the episodes, he turned to his mother and I and he said – you know, I kind of think like you guys are like Bob and oh, what, what's what's Winona Ryder's name oh, in the show? Yeah, Why can't I, can't I think remember. of it? Oh, it's gonna it's gonna kill. Anyway, we'll fix it in says, post. You got, you're right, right. He says, you know, Bob, Brian kind of reminds me of Bob. And what was very sweet about it was that he he thought you know Bob was uh, he took care of the family and he was willing to sacrifice himself to protect them. And he said, I think Brian would do that for us. Nice. And all I was stuck with was, yeah, Sean Astin's really put on weight, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he sees me. Yeah. But may, so maybe Sean Astin, okay. I, I would it'd be cool if Rudy that played would be me. Pretty awesome, yeah. yeah. And I like that story too. Uh, the, the the son or stepson 
really helping you out there with some nice compliments. Um, what is a talent or skill that we should really know about besides your soccer exploits? Gosh, a talent or skill. Do I have any? That's I don't know. The question. I, mean, I, I, I like to think I, I told somebody the other day. I'm an excellent apprentice when it comes to, uh, you know, whether it's sort of home renovations or building things or fixing things. I'm not one who you could come to and say, how do I do it? But I'm a great guy to do it if somebody else is showing me along the way. I love tools. Yeah. I could live in Home Depot or Lowe's or Menards. Um, In fact, I spend an awful lot of time in those stores (laughs) and money uh, as a homeowner. But I I love getting new tools. I uh, probably about five or six years ago built my daughter a loft bed. And I just started with, like, I want to see if I could make one. Because I had seen loft beds, I think, at Ikea. Sure. I got the idea, and I thought, but I want to make my own and really kind of make it heavy-duty and sturdy. And I just kind of found my way through. So I had fun doing that, Very I guess. Very cool. Yeah, I, guess I like that. So you skill. can open a wood shop when you get done here at Yeah, Fox I don't have maybe. the skill to, like, make things look really refined and professional, <laughs> but I can make them functional. And they won't fall through the, they uh, won't the fall bed down. in this case. All right, very last question. We're flying through these. Uh, what is the most random job you've ever had? Boy, I, you know, I haven't had a ton of jobs, and, uh, you know, I've been at this one now for sure. 15 years. I've been in the television business for 20, which is crazy to think about. I was in radio before that for four or five years, so I didn't have a lot of jobs prior to that, but um, my first one was working at a, a, a movie theater concession stand. Probably in I, one of my favorite jobs when I was a teenager was working at a company called Dial Ticks in St. Louis, and that was like Ticketmaster before there yeah, was Ticketmaster. All right. We sold tickets for the St. Louis arena and some of the, and, and not for Bush Stadium, but some of the other smaller venues in St. Louis, and what was great about it was... I got free tickets to a lot of nice. concerts and shows and sometimes blues hockey games. Uh, I'm a big St. Louis blues fan. So this past year, yeah. blues winning the Cup Stanley champs. Cup was huge for me. So that was probably one of my favorite jobs. Any, I don't know if it was unusual. Any was, favorite concert that you went to at, with those tickets that, that comes to mind? Um, Aerosmith. Uh, I saw Aerosmith uh, and and it was interesting. Guns N' Roses opened for Aerosmith. Guns N' Roses has an interesting history in St. Louis because uh, they opened for Aerosmith at this particular concert, and they played three songs, and walked, and Axl Rose walked off the stage. And that was it. And they brought the house lights back up, and everybody was like, that's it? What, what happened? Um, and a couple of years later, they came back, this time as the headliner. Guns N' Roses played the, what was then called the Riverport Amphitheater. And Axl Rose spotted someone in, in the crowd taking pictures, and especially back then, you know, you don't take pictures at a concert. It wasn't like cell phones today. Right. They were very restrictive about who was licensed to take photographs. And he told the person, put your camera away. And, and, and the guy took some more. So Axl Rose jumped off the stage and started fighting the guy. And a riot broke out. <laughs> and seats were torn up out of the fixed seats in the early rows. Were, it was a, a huge deal. And uh, a few years later, when their next album came out, Axl Rose had a special bleep you to St. Louis and the inside cover when you used to have inside covers of a cassette. <laughs> and uh, it was many, many years until he finally recently returned on a tour. Uh, Guns N' Roses That's came amazing. I did Louis. not yeah. know Axl Rose's yeah. t- t- So that all started with history. a story about me going to see Aerosmith I love and, it. and GNR. I love it. There you go. The Fox 6 pack. Brian, thank you so much. Of course. <laughs> 
And that will do it for another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to Raj Saha and Brian Polson for sharing all those great stories. One other thank you to Leanne Watson, the one putting this all together behind the scenes who you don't get to hear from each week. And if you do want more Definitely Milwaukee, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service, rate and review as well, as that really helps things out. You can also download the latest episode of Definitely Milwaukee anytime at fox6now.com. Tribune Audio Network.